0: We're studying the book of Ephesians, which I have never... Really done, although uh, this is my, you'll find in my Bibles, some of my old ones, uh, Ephesians has fallen out um, because I wear it out. Um, Ephesians is just uh, a place I love to study. Uh, we looked at some things about Paul in Ephesus. Remember, uh, he ran into the 12 guys there, and remember, they weren't filled uh, with the Holy Ghost. They weren't even saved. And he got them saved and water baptized, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke with other tongues. And then, you know, Uh, That's where he said, a great effectual door has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. Ephesus was a a port city where um, God had decided the gospel was going to go from there. And then you even see uh, teamwork in a ministry. You see the apostle uh, Paul, but you also see um, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And you've heard me talk about Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, Aquila, Priscilla, you see Timothy, I think you see titus and then later apollos shows up apollos is one of the uh you know there's not a lot mentioned about him but he's one of the greater teachers in the new covenant because remember uh, he gathered such a following that people were arguing over is paul better or apollos better and paul settled the answer and he said uh, uh i sowed apollos watered but it's god that gives the increase he quit saying i'm of paul and i'm of apollos we're all of jesus I think the Lord sometimes in our modern whatever goes on in churchism uh, would be upset. He would be like, um, you're the, you say you're this, you say you're that, you're from this camp, you're from that camp. There's camps within camps within camps, and we're all just supposed to be followers of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You know, it's funny sometimes when I go overseas, especially in countries where there's not much gospel being preached. You know, even if there's different denominations, uh, they are, all Christians seem to get along. Because there's so few of them, they're, they're like, you're a believer? You believe Jesus is raised from the dead? You're with me hallelujah. So uh, we've been studying all those kind of, so we looked at those kind of things, and then we we began to study in the book of Ephesians, and uh, I don't really have time to go back, but I just want to reset the setting. Ephesus, uh, Ephesians is a very important place. There's lots going on, and that's where Paul preached at one uh, school of one, Tyrannus, and he taught there for two years, and then the Bible says all of at that time what was considered Asia, it's not what we would consider Asia today, we can considered you know, Taiwan, Thailand, China, we considered that Asia, but in that time they considered Asia what we would consider a modern Turkey today. And so but in the time when there was no, uh, there's no emails, there's no text messages, there's no uh, uh, podcast, there's no, nothing. There's not even much printed page. From that one school where Paul taught every day, that whole region was reached. and, And when it says all, it means all. So that's quite a feat. And then we found out that, and I want to need your help in a little bit. Someone's asked me to pray over a prayer cloth, and I've got some other things on my heart, and I'm going to do that when I get to, get to, a, to a certain place in my message. But remember, that's where Paul, as he was instructing in that, in that school, the Spirit of God, as, as he obeyed God, you remember anointing on ministers is not, a, a minister doesn't earn it. The anointing is not earned, the anointing is given. Now what will increase it or decrease it is obedience. Is obedience, And Paul was obeying and he was in Ephesus where it looked like it could have been hard because there were many adversaries, but he, stu- he, he, he stuck with it. And he preached daily in that school. And then the Bible says what happened was then he would go into the streets and pray for people. And the anointing was so strong on him that even handkerchiefs were taken from him and they were delivered to the sick folks and they were healed and evil spirits left. And all that kind of stuff happened. All be- And this is all going on in Ephesus. Ephesus and Ephesians and that's why I like Ephesians so much hallelujah we're in chapter 1 still and so let's let's start with verse number 15. Hallelujah. We're going to look at Ephesians number chapter 1, verse 15. King James, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, he said, Then I cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom, And revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope uh, of his calling... And what the riches of the glory of inheritance in the saints. Remember last time we talked about our inheritance. You're an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. According to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above. All principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named not only in this world but that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet And gave him to be head over all things to the church Which is the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all And so the first thing I want to look at is I want to go back Number one, so this is an inspired prayer We call this the Ephesians prayer There's more than one Ephesians prayer But Paul by the Holy Ghost is telling us what to pray So there are times, you know, thank God you pray what you know But one of the best ways to pray is inspired prayer that is written down and there's many epistle prayers from Paul that this is what you pray over yourself, and you can pray this for other people. So, prayer is what you're going to, is, is, is the, the emphasis here. And he said, I thank, he, I, since I found out you were saved and, and your love for all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mentions of my prayer. That, this is what he's praying. Verse number 17, let's look at that. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. So his prayer for them is, these are the things, these are the, he's going to say something. I like to, these are big three to me. So in the way they're, they're packed together here, this is three big things that you and I need right now especially in the day and hour that you live in, that we live in, where everything has gone nuts on the outside world, where people don't know what to believe anymore, even within the church, they're changing the word of God to fit what they want it to be. They've got itching ears and they're drawing ministers after themselves who will say what they want them to say because they want to live and act and do a certain way. But he said in this hour, in this time, you need a spirit of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is able to take something and to know how to make a decision based on God's word. Remember the Bible says in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask of the Lord, who will give to you liberally, so there's no reason you or I should not be walking in the wisdom of God. How you know God is smarter than you are. How you know he knows your future? I mean, you know, every decision we make, if you would make it with the Lord and by the the word of God and by the Holy Ghost, you would come out, you know, looking pretty smart. he would make you look like a genius. He's good at that. And make sure when he makes you look like a genius, you give him the credit. Hallelujah. The spirit of wisdom. And revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is an awakening. Revelation is spiritual insight into something that you didn't get on your own. Remember what the Lord told, uh, uh, what's his name? Peter. He said, flesh and blood, uh, flesh and bone, you didn't get this revealed to you by any man on the earth. A revelation came from my Father in heaven. How I many you know if you, the Word of God for you and I needs to come alive. We need revelation and you need fresh revelation. You know, I've been doing this for 35 years uh, um, and, and I don't know at all. I think I know a thimble full of what I need to know and what's available to know, and I keep, if I keep going, the Holy Ghost is going to keep revealing things. You can read a scripture a thousand times, and a thousand, the first time you get it, some, you read it, something's going to happen. And remember what a revelation is. You really know it, because you know you got a revelation is when you try to share it with someone, and they go, I know, and they really don't know what you know. And you just say, okay, Mm. hopefully you get it. In the knowledge of him, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge. How many of you know the Bible says uh, that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And it's not knowledge of this world. Well, we need to, we need to, you know, don't bury your head in the sand. I'm not burying my head in the sand. I decided to bury my head in the book. You can mess with everything you want to mess with. And it's all temporal. This is the only thing that's eternal. And this is really the only thing that matters. And then if you live your life out of it, he'll affect all the temporal stuff. He will. He'll perfect everything that concerns you. Hallelujah. That the verse 18, that the eyes. So those are the let's let's go back. Those are the big three. What do we need? Everybody say, I have a spirit of wisdom. I have revelation. And I have knowledge of him. Him. Knowledge of him. Not just knowledge. Not religious knowledge. Not traditions of men that make the word of God of no effect. You need knowledge of him. And knowledge of him is not the same as knowing about him. Okay. Okay. You all know some things. I mean, you come to church here. When I preach, I'm pretty open, transparent. So you know stuff about me that maybe somebody at the gym doesn't know about me or the Outback don't know about me or Rosie's don't know about me. You know some stuff. But you don't know me like she knows me. There's some things she only knows about me. They're mostly all good. I'm just saying, you can know about God. The thing that I'm concerned about this generation, especially in our church and churches like ours, you know, when it gets to about the second, third generation, the third generation especially, um, there's a passing down, and yes, like Lois, Eunice, and Timothy, but you got to work at that to pass it on down. Because what happens if you don't pass it down right, it becomes tradition. No matter what church it is. I don't care if it's the wildest Holy Ghost church, if it's not passed down right, and the children, it's not real to them. I'm going to throw this in. Robert told me not to because they're almost all full. But if your teenagers go to church here and they're not going to camp, they have to have their own experience. Well, it's inconvenient. It costs too much money. What's their life worth? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And besides that, there's people willing to pay for stuff that you don't got the money for. Now, don't send them down there mad that they don't want to be there. Because I don't want them to ruin the other 60 kids' camp because they're pouting and mad the whole time. I'm not telling you to send any... This is not prison. You know, it's like Christian schools. You know, everybody sends their kids to Christian schools because they want them in a Christian environment. And then uh, kids that can't handle the public school end up in the Christian school and then... Because they can't, handle, we need to handle our own. Why? The Lord help me, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ted, get back up and sing. Hallelujah. Um, glory. But all I'm saying, where? How do we get here? Uh, uh, wisdom, knowledge. You got to know Him. There you go. You got to know Him. I want your kids to know Him. The whole thing of this church is what? To know Him and to make Him known. It's not to know about Him. It's not even to be able to quote what Pastor Mark said. I mean, don't quote what I said unless it's the Bible. Quote what the scripture said. Amen. Okay, let's move on. Hallelujah. That's a good intro. All right. 18. Here we go. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you may know the hope of, I like King James translation best in this verse, his calling. A lot of people, they substitute it for my calling. You can't figure out who you are until you figure out who he is. The reason there's an identity crisis in the body of Christ is because we don't know who he is anymore. And when you figure out who he is, then you'll figure out who you are because you are in him. So we need to know the hope of his calling. What does that mean? Everything he did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Everything he did while he was here on the earth. Everything he's currently doing as a high priest. We need to know what he's called to do. And when you figure out what he's called to do, you'll know what you're called to do. So what do we got to have? Well, in order to get uh, uh, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of him, your eyes have to be open. And so let's just look at some scripture along those lines. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, you know this scripture. But remember what happened when you were not born again. Uh, You had a fallen nature. You had a fallen nature. Everyone who is not born again has a fallen nature. It's not until you get born again that you get a new nature. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, it's not until you get a new nature that you can start walking in a godly way. Uh, people who are not born again, do they're sinners. And what do sinners do? Sin. Can they help it? Well, you, you know, you don't have to murder anybody, but sinners sin. And they're going to have a harder time with themselves because they don't know how to put their flesh under. And so anything that feels good, tastes good, uh, uh, seems good, sounds good, anything they can imagine, it's all go. It's good. And so that's the way they live. And they don't understand us. Because, see, we're not our own anymore. Remember, we've been bought with a price. And we've got a new nature. So we think on the inside different that hopefully gets up to our head It doesn't for everybody, but what happened? It says, in whom the God of this world has blinded. See that word, blinded? Blinded. Blinded. What does that mean? If you're blind, you can't see. And so this is talking about a spiritual scene. It's not talking about natural eyes. It's talking about your spiritual eyes. So your spirit, man, if it's not born again, is blind. It can't see. It can't hear. It can't follow God. But it says the God of this world has blinded the what? The minds. And so they don't think right. They don't act right. And they don't talk right. And you should not expect them to. So, well, we're letting them off the hook. We're not letting them off the hook. Birds fly, fish swim, cats meow, dogs bark, and sinners sin. Now, once you get born again, that's why I don't like that phrase. I wasn't, I plan on not harping it, but it's in here and it hasn't come out because I've lived in here so long and I hear people say it all the time and it's so irritating. Well, I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. Well, you were a sinner, and you encountered God's amazing grace. But you're now a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away. So that is not who you are anymore. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner. You're the righteousness. You got to identify yourself. I am the not by my merit, not by but by the blood. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so what does the devil do? He blinds the mind of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine in them. So I wanted to show you that and remind you of that. And then I want you to look at this experience. Luke chapter 24. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Two of his disciples are walking. They call this the road to Emmaus. So remember, these two disciples, they were walking with Jesus. He was raised from the dead. It says, but their eyes were holden. So it is interesting. Their, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. So they were looking at Jesus with their natural eyes, but they couldn't discern who it was even though they had walked with him. And it's interesting to me, and I was like puzzled about this a little bit, even again today, it's interesting that your spiritual state can even affect how you see things in this natural realm, your worldview, what you think is right, what you think is wrong, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Their eyes were holding, and so they couldn't see. And I don't know what the Lord was doing that way, but it's really a great example of if your spiritual eyes can't see, it'll mess you up. I'm not talking about your 2020 vision. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about, but it does mess up what you see, what you're able to perceive. Uh, Again, it should show you that what is going on in our world, unless they get born again, So the biggest need of this world is the new birth. It's still the same. If there's 8 billion people on the planet, and I don't know if it's at 10%, I don't know how many people are born again, but it's not enough. If the world were to end today, that's too many people going to hell. So you and I, our mission is still the same. Jerusalem, Judea. In Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Go. Why? They're blind. Verse 31, though. Look at this. And their eyes were open. And their eyes were open. What is that? Suddenly, you know, they put their glasses on and they recognize. No, something spiritually happened. These guys, I don't know what happened. I, again, I don't like to give you my opinion, but remember until Jesus uh, gathered with them, and I don't think he had yet, he had not breathed on them yet and they had not received the Holy Ghost. So I don't know if something special here happened with these two guys, but suddenly their eyes got opened and, and they knew him. Everybody say they knew him. When you're spiritual, when you get born, the God of this world does what? Blinds you. You and I have to make sure that we're not blinded in any area of the word of God. What is, what is, how, what's the cure for that? The Bible says in Psalms 119, 130, Psalms 119, 130 says, the entrance of his word. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. And we have the written word, the logos of the word of God. And then when you, it, when, when it, you have revelation of it, it becomes a rhema to you. And what happens is the entrance of his word does what? It gives you light. And then this this fits me, I don't know if it fits you It gives understanding to the simple So you don't got to be a genius To understand God You just have to have light You just have to have revelation But eyes being open here are very very important and then in first corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 through 10 what are we talking about he prayed for them that the eyes of their understanding and you ought to pray this over yourself i ought to pray this over myself we ought to pray this over people that they, if someone's having a trouble getting it do you have any relatives who don't get it keep your hands down do you have any spouses who don't get it do you, do you have any children who don't get it? Do you have any coworkers who don't get it? You have someone you've been talking to and they just don't get it. And, and, and maybe it could be of various things. It could be It could be salvation, but it could be healing for their physical body. It could be a number of things. What should you do? I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. And that's why every time I preach, if you'll notice, it's one of the prayers that I pray over and over and over. And I've been praying it for 30-some years. Because if your eyes aren't open, then we're wasting our time here. You need to get something. And I can't give it to you. God can. And how do you get it? But it is written, eyes not seen. Nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And some people say, well, God's mysterious. You can never figure it out, but you've got to get to verse 10. You can't stop at verse 9. But, everybody say, but. but. Woo wee. God has done what? The eyes of your understandings are being enlightened so that you can have a spirit of wisdom and knowledge in him. God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. If you don't know something, ask the spirit of God to reveal it to you. How does he reveal it to you? He opens the eyes, the spiritual eyes of your understanding, so you can see it. And when you see it in the spirit realm, then you can see it, what to do in this natural realm. Living with God every day is what this is all about. It's not just this spiritual thing that is, is you, know, we're do, we, we, you know, we serve God and then we get to heaven and we understand everything. You can understand things now. You can walk in things now. Yea, for the Spirit searches all things. Yeah, even the deep things of God. So there's nothing that's in the Word that's off limits to you if you'll pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. You need to know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. You need to know where to be, where not to be. You need to know where to go, where not to go. And you don't get to make your own decisions anymore because Jesus is your master and he is the Lord of your life. And he happens to know what is best for you and what is not best for you. And if you don't check in with headquarters, he'll be getting you out of a whole lot of messes that you were never intended to be in. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding. 2 Corinthians 4.18. It's our choice. While we look not at things which are seen. So, we being natural people, we have eyes, we have ears, we have brains. Uh, we're, we, we, ha- we touch this world system. We live here. You know, we're, we're not, you know, we're from heaven. We're, you know, our citizenship is in heaven, but we live here. I'm not talking about with people, you know, sometimes people get, I think, irritated me. Because they think I'm saying, well, just ignore everything and it will go away. I, I didn't say about ignore anything. I just said don't focus. Don't live your life where that's all it's about. We're, we're part of the kingdom. We have a kingdom. We have a king. Hallelujah. While we look not at things which are seen, but where are we supposed to be look? We're supposed to be looking at things that are. So what is that talking about? Well, for the things that are seen are temporary or natural. Everything you're going through is temporary. You know, that old say, this too shall pass. Well, I guess it's sometimes up to us how long it sticks around or we let it stick around. But it's temporary. It's temporary. But the things which are not seen are what? Eternal. eternal. I mean, you know, when you got born again, you entered into uh, the God side of eternal life. Eternal versus temporary. How do you get... If you're tired of all the temporary, then I wonder if we're, you and I are not living more in the eternal,'re we're not we're not living in the spirit like we're supposed to be. If we make our decisions based on what we see, again, God gave you a brain, and you need to renew your mind and you can make sound decisions. I mean, I don't think you need to pray every time you go to the closet, Lord, what do I wear? I know some people get carried away with stuff like that. Lord, what am I supposed to eat today? You know, uh, where am I, you know, uh, you know, ju- uh, do I wash the dishes today or do I let them pile up? <laughs> is it your will, is it your will that I cut the grass? Uh, or do I wait until the neighbors give me, you know, I get, a, I get a notice from them and that way I get to meet, you know, all the people on the board. You know, I don't, I mean, there's just some things you have some common sense about, right? Do I go to work today on time? I'm supposed to be resting in you. Isn't this the Sabbath? Every day is the same to you. I choose a Sabbath rest. I mean, you're gonna get fired, especially if you work for me. Um, so um, you know. Anyway, uh, but we're supposed to be living in the realm of the spirit, where things are eternal, and if 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 we Stuff comes up for all of us, but it's temporary. But how do you deal with the temporary, with the eternal? How do you get there? Well, you either focus on what you see in the natural or you're focused on what you see in the spirit. Jesus said, my words, they're spirit and they are life. How do you get in the spirit? If you walk in the spirit, you're not fulfilled the lust of your flesh. How do you get in the spirit? Well, you get in the spirit through the word. Because the word is spirit and life. How do you get in the spirit? You get in the spirit by prayer. You get in the spirit by praying in other tongues. You get in the spirit by worship. You're more, remember what uh, John the Revelator said. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? It just really means I was more aware, I was in a place in my life where I was more aware of spiritual things than natural things. You know, I've heard people say this saying, it makes me mad, but I get what they're saying. Some people are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good. And I have people that I respect and honor that say that all the time, and every time they say it, I cringe. Because I just don't believe that. I believe if you're spiritually minded, you'll be every earthly good. What they're saying is the the granola group, the nuts, the fruits, and the flakes who are using spiritual things to get out of natural things, you know, praise the Lord. Like not cutting the grass, not, not doing the dishes. I was away praying for three hours, and I did it every day. And, you know, um, we're going to have to start using paper. That doesn't ever happen at our house. But, you know, just do it, not doing what you're, you, the Lord knows you have things to do. So, so being spiritual doesn't mean we ignore the things of the earth. We do them better than everybody else because we do everything unto the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all good? Y'all good? Where are we looking? We're going to look in the realm of the Spirit. Okay? Um, the next, let's go back to Ephesians. It says, verse, let's read it again, that God would give you a spirit of wisdom. Everybody say, I have a wisdom. I have wisdom. Revelation. Revelation. And the knowledge of him. And say this for yourself, so I believe the eyes of my understanding are being flooded with light. Hallelujah. Why? So I would know the hope of his calling. I, I receive the knowledge of the hope of the calling of Jesus. And what are the riches of his glory and his inheritance that affects me as a saint? Because you're an heir and a joint heir, right? So you need a revelation of it. Glory to God. Woo! Felt that one. Um, and then, verse 19. And, and what is the exceeding greatness? And so it connects. And what is, so what else do we need to know? We need to have our eyes flooded with light so we know his glory and his inheritance. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? So now we're gonna talk about his power. And so I'm going to pray in just a minute over this cloth, and I may pray over uh, uh, some of the um, animals because I, I have a sense. Um, um, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? So I need you all to believe God with me right now because need, we need revelation, but I want the anointing of God to be here. This, this, this cloth represents a 12-year-old little girl who is um, struggling to live because of her lungs. And so we're going to lay hands on it at the appropriate time. And the power of God that's in this room corporately, we're going to believe it goes into this cloth. We've had a lot of success over the years with this. As We, we don't just do it out of ritual, you know, but you've got to do it by faith, by the leading of the Lord, um, and, and you exercise your faith. It's not just, you know, laying hands on a bunch of stuff and then sending it away. That doesn't work because the anointing has to go in here because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke. And so what is the exceeding greatness of power? To usward who believe. So who's the power towards? It's towards you. According to the working of his mighty power. So what is the greatness of power? According to the working of his mighty power when he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead. So let's just stop there. So there's a power. Glory to God. The power of God is very real. And the power of God is for us today. And so Romans eight eleven says this. But if the spirit of him, the Holy Ghost, raised that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Let's just stop. So when you got born again, who moved in? By the Holy Ghost, you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Are you born again? Then who lives in you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you, the anointed one in you, the hope of glory. What is the glory? Glory the power of God. It's Christ in you, the hope, the manifestation of the expectation of the glory of God. You, you have this treasure in your earthen vessel. Woo! Hallelujah. The power of God. The power of God. So the Holy Ghost, you see in Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible says it's the greatest display of God's power ever. It wasn't when he spoke and the worlds became. You would think that would take a lot of power, but he just spoke that. It wasn't when he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He breathed into man and he became a living being. It wasn't when Jesus was on the earth and people were raised from the dead or or, or healed a multitude or when the, the loaves and the fishes were multiplied. The greatest display of power ever was on this day for this moment at this time because it dealt with not only Jesus but everyone who would ever believe on Jesus. So the ability here is to raise every human person that ever was and would be that would believe in this moment. Because Romans 10, 9 and 10 says what? If you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and you confess that with, you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, what happens? You're born again. So it goes back to this moment. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also... So what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead? Well, You say, well, he wasn't dead. Well, he was separated from God. And death, a form of spiritual death, is separation from God. It doesn't mean cease to exist because after a human being is, is in the womb, they're an eternal being forever. They'll never cease to be. They'll never cease to be. You'll never cease to be. You'll never cease to be. Cease to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then that's the body that you're working with right now hereafter forever. You don't like that? Well, I, I wanted to trade it in. Well, you'll get to trade it in. You get a new one, and I think you'll like it. Hallelujah. Yeah, because the dead in Christ, I mean, we're going to have these bodies. This is a forever thing. I don't want that. It's too bad. That's what you get. It's going to be the best you, though. It's going to be the best you. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't know if we get to choose like what hair color we have every day or, you know, uh, you know or anything like that. I don't know. I, I, but people are, re- anyway, that's not my point. Uh, he that raised up Christ the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. The greatest display of power, listen, the greatest display of power ever was when Jesus was raised from the dead. By who? The Holy Ghost. And the Bible by the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Ghost is saying, and that same spirit, what's he liking it to? You've got this power on the inside of you. That's why you can say greater is he that is in me. You've got this power. Everybody say power. power. The same power that raised Jesus up from the dead is in you and is quickening. And if you look at Romans 8, I don't have time to teach on it, but really that has to do with keeping your body from sinning. Because the whole chapter is about the works of the flesh and versus the spirit. Really, if we get a revelation, we need a greater revelation. I need a greater revelation. I even wrote a book on it, and I still want a greater revelation. That, that by the help of the power of God, we can control, we can keep under our physical body. And, it, and when it acts up. And when it wants stuff that they, it shouldn't have. Are you with me? Everybody say power. Woo! Hallelujah. And then Colossians 1:11, Colossians 1, it says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. So there's all might available to you, and you'll be strengthened according to his glorious power unto patience and long-suffering joyfulness. Where does that happen? That happens in your inner man. Thank God for the power of God. Now I'm going to just Give you some that were that we're used to. Luke chapter twenty four verse forty nine, Luke chapter and behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. So first, we're talking about the power that's in you. Are you the temple of the Holy Ghost? Does the same power that raised Jesus from the dead live on the inside of you? Is that quickening power available to you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And then Jesus also said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power. Everybody say power. It's dunamis. It's dynamite. It's just like Jimmy said. Hallelujah. I don't mind. Anyway, okay. But you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost. I love Jimmy. I saw him. JC told me that he was on a commercial, and I got to finally see Jimmy. You know, Jimmy, he was doing a, he was doing a commercial. I saw him. Anyway, uh, don't bring him here. I don't know. Bring, whatever. Uh, no, whatever. But the power, you shall receive power after you have the Holy Ghost. It's, a, it's interesting who influences you as a child. Anyway, so you shall, he was kind of honorary too. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. How we say power. power? The greatest display of power ever was when Jesus was raised from the dead. God moved that power in you, and then Jesus said, Now that power is going to be on you. Second Corinthians 12. Why do we need this power? Remember, Paul was struggling. The greatest, one of the greatest ministers besides Jesus that ever walked the face of the earth was having a whole lot of trouble with a whole lot of demons. And he said unto me, because remember, he's like, Lord, take this thing away from me. I cannot handle this anymore. Please, Jesus, please. Please, Jesus, please. Please, Jesus, please. And the Lord answered him back. Not what most believers or Christians think he answered him back. Because he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, if you don't understand what grace is and the different kinds of graces, you hear, you'll be all right, baby. Just hang in there. It'll all be over soon. But that's not what he said. This word grace here is standing grace. And that is the power of the almighty God. Because he said, my power is enough for you. Why? My strength. My power is enough. The same Holy Ghost that raised me up from the dead. The same Holy Ghost that came upon you when you spoke in other tongues. The power that's in you, the power that's on you, it's enough. You and I are never short of the power necessary to get out of anything. You're never short of power. Did any of you had your power go off? Was that last night? Last night. Seemed like No, y'all. our power went off. And we're in the When there's no power, you're in dark. Power also has light with it God's power, the light, the revelation. Are you understanding me? He said, My grace, Jesus said, My power is enough. My power. Everybody say the power of the Lord is enough to get me out of anything. Woo hoo! His power is enough to heal you of anything. His power is enough to get you out of any mess that you made or somebody else made. His power is enough. Hallelujah! But you got to believe in it. You got to expect it. He said. most gladly, therefore, this is Paul talking, I would rather glory in my infirmities and in my weaknesses that the power of Christ. Okay, I get it. I, this is weak, but I'm going to glory in God so the power of God can rest on me. I get it. This is weak. The the devil's yapping, people are going crazy, but uh and I'm weak in my own flesh, but I'm not in me anymore, I'm in him, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lift my hands and I'm gonna glorify God. I'm gonna shout about it a little bit. I'm gonna do a little dance, I'm gonna shout, I'm gonna laugh because even when I feel weak, the power of God's gonna rest on me. Verse 10. Verse 10. Therefore, I'll take pleasure. Now I don't know if I got here yet, just to be honest with you. I'll take pleasure. But I know you got to get there. you got to understand that anytime time the devil throws something at you, fine. I'll take pleasure in any weakness. Uh, I get it. I'm a human being in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. Not the ones you brought on. For when I'm weak, what? Then I'm strong. For when I'm weak in myself, when I figure out I'm in you know, in myself, I can't do it, I can't have it, I can't be it, I can't think it. But I, I realize I'm not in me anymore, I'm in him. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I have the mind of Christ. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. I'm accepted in the beloved. Amen. In him I have redemption. I have it in him. So when I'm weak, then I'm, I'm strong. What is that? The power of God, realizing the power of God. And Isaiah, you know, um, you have to watch sometimes people think, well, you know, uh, the Old Testament's not for us today. But it, it really, you know, there's lots of good things in here still for us today. If the New Testament quotes it, it's still good. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40, you know this one. We sing about this one around here. Verse 29, he gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Amen? Come on, let's all say it. Say, I'm strong strong in the Lord Lord and the power of his might. I can do do all things things through through Christ who strengthens me. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. Come on, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He always, he always causes me to triumph. Woo. He gives power to the faint; To them that have no might, he increases strength. Verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Nobody's, uh, everybody's included in this. Young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31. You know this. But they that do what? Wait. So that word is wait is do what? It's exchange. I'm going to exchange my strength for your strength. When I don't got any, and we all don't got any compared to him, I'm going to exchange it. I'm going to exchange it. That's a good deal. I'm gonna ex- those, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not walk, and they shall, uh, they shall walk and not faint. Can you give me some of those uh, that underneath you? Um, uh, uh, pay has them. Um. Does anyone in the room, do you know a child that is dealing with something that's either incurable or something that they, they, they may have to deal with the rest of their life, like asthma? Something that, that is like, okay, it's treatable, but, you know, a diabetes, something like that. Uh, just by show of hands, uh, is there somebody, a child you know like that, that you would like? I'm going to lay hands on these. Someone you would like to give it to. Okay. One, two, three, four, five. Keep your hands up. One, two, three. Nobody over there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. One, two, three, four. I need three more. Hallelujah. Belinda's getting them. Pastor Belinda's getting them. Now, this cloth, I want you to believe God with me. I want you to believe God with me. Um, This is a 12-year-old little girl. She's got some serious lung issues. The doctor says one thing. The word says another thing. Hallelujah. And we're going to believe God together. Now, seven of you lifted your hand. I'm going to lay hands on these. Oh, this is the newest version. I haven't seen it yet. It's cute. It's cute. Um, we're working on our own. You know, we have Torchy in the back. So we're developing one for that. Um, but why do we do that? Well, because the anointing goes into a cloth and a kid will hang on to this one. Children, I've even had some adults hang on to this one. I had a cousin who lived a lot longer and a lot better, um, you know, didn't really understand and believe in healing like we do. But it kept her alive and going for quite a lot longer. They put it in her casket when she went home because she was with it everywhere. Because they even saw a difference. Amen. Well, she, she didn't live. Well, you know, there's, we don't understand. We know this. It's the will of God to heal everybody. But everybody doesn't always receive their healing. But you know what? We're not mad at them. <laughs> And we understand that things happen, but don't ever mistake the will of God. The will of God is for everyone to be healed because it's the will of God for everyone to be saved. Hallelujah. So y'all believe God with me. So, Father, for this little girl, we thank you for the anointing that's in this room. We've been talking about your power. And so I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Yeah, lift up your voice. I thank you. The same power. That raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that's upon us. The anointing that's in this room. I lay hands on this cloth. And I have expectation. The anointing goes into this cloth. And when it's laid on the sick. When it's laid on that little girl. She'll be healed. Now Father I thank you for these animals. As I lay my hands on them. Whatever is present in that child's body. That the doctor says incurable. Or they're going to have to live with the rest of their life. I curse it in Jesus name. I command spirits of I command sp- I command spirits of infirmity to leave in Jesus' name. I I say no weapon formed against that child shall prosper in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the anointing that goes into these uh, cloths. And when it's given to the child, I thank you that the healing power of God will be released in their bodies. The healing power, I, I I curse asthma, I curse diabetes, I curse any lingering disease in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father. Yeah, hallelujah. I thank you, muscles, muscles 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 are strengthened i thank you uh, lungs are strengthened i thank you uh, for long life for each and every one of them i thank you for long life healed life strong life in jesus name we believe it together we relieve it together and everybody who believes that with me said what Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now, if you lifted your hand, there's seven of them in there. But if you didn't lift your hand, don't come get one. And then the, the handkerchief is for that little girl. All right. Everybody say, thank, God, thank God, for God for the power of God. Hallelujah. And then we'll just introduce this next one, and then we'll pick up here. Because you're coming back next Wednesday, won't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, sometimes... I try to get everything in, and the Holy Ghost says, They'll be back next week. <laughs> he, he, he knows you'll we'll be back next week. Ephesians 1 says, So we left off what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Talk about the power. Are you grateful for the power of God? Amen. And it says, And it set him at the own, his own right hand in heavenly places, far above. Everybody say, Far above. Woo! Far above, far above what? Well, any, any principality, I don't care how big the demon is, they're ranked, but Jesus is above them. Far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named. Come on. I mean, everybody likes to name everything, but we've got a name that's above it. At the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. Everything has to bow. But you're the one that has to believe that it's got to bow, no matter what they name it. And you can't be afraid of a name. I said you can't be afraid of a name. You can't be afraid of a name. One name is not bigger. You know, to us it's bigger. But to God it's just a name. There's two C's. One of them you don't get stressed about. The other one you lose your mind over. But to God it's the same. Cold or cancer. Neither one can be healed. By a natural person. But God can heal them both. Amen. Well, one of them will kill you. The other one will just, you know. But the Lord can heal them and has healed them both. It's just what we esteem them as. Amen. Hallelujah. Far above. Every principality, every name. And he has put all things. And all does mean all. Where? Where? Under his feet, and he gave him to be the head of all things to the church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You got five minutes? Hallelujah. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, Amplified Classic. So I skipped a little bit, but I want you to see this. So this is something that God the Father, you remember that the serpent came in, deceived Eve, and then Adam ate, and then things were a mess. And so God was having a conversation with everybody who was involved. They were all hanging out there. And the, God said, this is what's going to happen. He said, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. So he's talking to the devil, the serpent, and Eve. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. So how I many of know there's two families? You're either in the family of God or you're in the family of the devil. It's just two families. Pick. He, the devil, will bruise and tread. He, Jesus, sorry. Don't want to get my pronouns messed up here. He will bruise and tread your head underfoot. So Jesus is going to do what? I like a modern translation said, Jesus is going to crush your head. It says, and you're going to lie in wait and bruise his heel. In other words, he's going to know you was there because you're going to bruise his heel. But the heel is at the bottom of the foot. So that's what happened in Ephesians when we see behind the scenes. Remember Jesus went into the bowels of hell? Remember he went into hell? Because remember he got up and said, look, I got the keys. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.15. Oh, where we're here. We might as well do it. Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he, Jesus, made a show of the devil openly, triumphing in it. What is it? In his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and the fact that he is seated forever at the right hand of God. And he made a show of the devil openly. Amen. And he crushed the devil's head. Now Jesus, you know, he might have a bruise on his heel. I don't know if still there, but, but guess what? A bruise is acceptable when you crush somebody's head. And then Jesus raised, and he was raised up. Ephesians 2, 6 says you were raised together with him. And so if Jesus is seated far above every, I don't care how big the demon is, and I don't care how often he comes, if you'll sit down in your seat, which is far above every principality, every power, every name, if you'll sit in your seat, which is in Christ Jesus, far above, you will win every time. Amen.